Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hinted Neuron Podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Pascal. I'm so excited for, you know, to release this episode. This is my last episode for the year. And I think it's been an amazing year. I didn't really put out more episodes on this podcast, but I was putting out more content in terms of writing. I started a blog as something I wanted to do apart from releasing audio content. I wanted to write more and I did that to... I think it's been an amazing year for me content-wise. It's really nice sharing my thoughts, opinions, having conversations through audio and through writing. So it feels good. I'm so happy that people are excited to hear what I have to say or read what I have to say. I had my last conversation with Taiwo. Taiwo is my friend. He's been on this podcast a couple of times and he's also a friend of the podcast. <laughs> it's amazing to always talk to him about certain things. We talked about Nigeria. We talked about, you know, general consciousness in Nigeria, young people and certain ideologies that, certain ideologies and mindsets that seem to be in the air in Nigeria. We talked about those things. I I think that it was a sort of a slow conversation, but a useful one. And I'm glad that we had that conversation. I'm excited for, you know, hearing, I'm, I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say about it. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, don't forget to always reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter as Hinted Neuron. I'm everywhere on the internet. So don't forget to like, share, subscribe, reach out, and, you know, spread the word about Hinted Neuron. I am looking forward to what the new year might be like in terms of content, you know, in terms of writing and audio. I'm really, you know, optimistic about what it would be like. I don't really know what things could turn out to be, but, you know, ideas come and you have to act on them. So, yeah, I'm excited for what new ideas the new year would give to me. But, yeah, enjoy my conversation with Tayo and have a lovely holiday season and a new year. Thank you. Hey, Taro, nice to have you on the podcast again. I mean, the last one we had was in, I think, early 2021. Mm-hmm. And this is almost the end of 2022. <laughs> and, you know, it's nice to be doing a conversation with you again on the podcast. Uh, thank you very much, Kelvin. Uh, it's been a while. No, I, I was really looking forward to, to today. Or maybe to the yes. time we will maybe we will speak again, you know, um, because I mean, there's no such thing as uh, having all or taking everything in without you know having a way to converse, and discuss, you know, this social interaction, and this yes. this this is is an amazing platform or a great way so yes you know i i've been away from like the podcast for a few months a lot of things have happened started graduate school and yeah didn't have time to do conversations edit and produce the podcast but you know i think (laughs) i think maybe all those could be an excuse for my listeners but like i'm happy now to be doing this again because you know this this is is one of the things that gives me joy just sitting down having conversations and yeah <laughs> you know just saying things with people and like doing this dance of yeah intellectual <laughs> anything i don't know <laughs> i never use the word intellectual i don't know what i'm using <laughs> now but like, i i just like conversations so what have you been up to in the past few months okay, or weeks uh, or anything that's caught your interest lately. Uh, okay, right. Um, so I've been into software engineering. I, before I even started, I thought about going to graduate school because I only wrote my SOP, wrote everything. So I, I discovered that I was, I was missing something. There was something I had, I had not done. I feel there was something missing. As if I would 
like to integrate science and um, let me say a computer and everything, all this stuff. If I want to find a way to to affect people around me positively, I need something extra. And that would have always failed. So I decided to just go into software engineering. What makes everything tick behind it? What uh, what can I do, you know, to to make things more, much more interesting when I delve into science? I, f- I feel like this is a great way for me to, you know, understand. Even like, even if I'm about to write, see, a, a software, I'm not saying it's a real world changer, but do I really know what I'm? Yeah, I, I feel you understand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because it's like, it really grew is, sorry, like a field that's growing right now. And I think that for people who want to write software, people who want to do computational sciences, I mean, it's something that is like really big right now. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say that anybody who can add that flair of computing to any kind of science is something like, you know, a hot cake right now if you can design experiments and perform them on a the computer or, mm-hmm. you know, all those kind of things. So I, I, I think that's something that people really admire right now and it's something I would, you know, encourage anybody to, you know, have that computing side, you know, just for if you want to do science, if you want to do anything in general, you should definitely have that computing skill because it definitely helps. You just realize how much time you could save doing so much things if you know how to do computing. Exactly. Yes, I agree because like the other day someone asked me what were my plans? I don't understand to devote all my plans after after university. What plans did I have? I just said um, okay, I would um write a GRE get um it was a recommendation I'm out of the country. That was, uh, I think that was 2020, late 2020. So then I think I didn't have this clarity of what I wanted to do, even after that COVID. But as time went on, what made me realize was when I, when I got to camp, <clears throat> the NYC camp, that was last year, 20, no, September last year, yes. I, 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 I met someone and started talking about physics. It's quantum computing. And the community was so interesting that even we forgot all about the parade and everything we were doing there. And it got me thinking, okay, um, okay, fine. I have this knowledge of science, chemistry in particular. What else? Even if I did a little bit of computational chemistry when I was doing my final year project, I felt that wasn't enough. I just knew how to use software. Do I really know how? How to write a software? Okay, what if something comes up? What if um, I would have a startup? What would, the, what would the steps I would take? How would I go about it? How would I choose the, the, the tech stack? Um, what methods would I use? So I feel like school, school really didn't teach me all this. What they taught me was, okay, well, what I think they taught me was how to read and pass. But I think there's, there's so much more that we can do with education. And I, I don't mean inside the walls of the university. There's so much we can do. There's so much we can we can acquire knowledge in terms of knowledge you know, to, to affect people. Even posterity will thank us for it. So then it got to me that I was missing, like you said, this, this flair. Of course, if I had sat for the GRE, the probability that I would do well would, would, is, is very high, but I didn't want to just do that. 
even if uh, I, I even if I had gotten to graduate school, now I realize that I would have felt lost because what would I be doing? Like, yes, I would be doing maybe medicinal, computational chemistry. You know, what would I be doing exactly? What would be my purpose? I think that was the thing that drove me. What was the purpose behind this? Why am I doing this? Why should I do it? So I think that's just it. It's really interesting you say that because <laughs> you know, a lot of people talk about how they are still figuring things out in graduate school. I mean, that, that's like a huge thing among people in graduate school. Because even at some points, I I had this phase for like one week where I felt, hmm, do I really know what I'm doing? Because I I had so much confidence that I thought I knew what I was doing. Okay. And then I just had like a doubt in fears at some point. You know, at some point. I think that lasted for a week or two. I was thinking really deep about <laughs> about some of my earlier convictions and if they were really right. So I mean, I I, I think that at the end of the day, none of us have it figured out really, but I think exactly. it's still good to have like a clear maybe not even clear, but at least just a small picture of what you feel that exactly you know like the way I usually do it is that I tell myself I know what I don't want mm-hmm. and knowing what you don't want is like a good filter for for most things it's not bad if you don't know what you want but if you know what you what don't want that's like a very good filter <laughs> <laughs> so that is the field that I use most times when I don't know what I want. I just know what I don't want and I just go with the flow like that. What type of software engineering do you do these days? Okay. Um, so basically, what I want to do is after getting the, the background, because I'm like three months into it already. Three or four. Okay. Three months into it already. After getting the background, there's a part where I have to go to specializations. You get so okay. Let me just start from this place. Um, we started with C, the C programming language, and uh, it really opened up something. I would call it uh, maybe a clear vision of why you should be doing this, why you should be doing software engineering. Because normally, I just hear people say, um, I write code, make coder. So why are you writing the code? So what, what I would like to use soft, this software for is, before I thought I would use for machine learning or data science, I realized that I, was, I, I wasn't even remotely interested in machine learning. I wasn't interested in it. I've thought of education. A lot of people are into fintechs and everything. I've thought of education. Because the school I, I was in when I was seven, a lot of students there, I mean, seeing a lot of students, it means like some of them have been exposed. Most of them are not exposed to the possibilities of being educated. They don't know what it's like to have acquired a great deal of knowledge and use it for something wonderful. Most of them are, they are, they are confined to this wall of, after I'm done with secondary school, I would open a shop, start a business. So that's fine, but I mean, there's a whole world out there for us to explore. And I wanted them to see it. And gratefully, I, I succeeded in picking the interest of some of them. Okay, so my goal is to use my skill as a software engineer and the knowledge I've acquired in science to, like, to bring both worlds together. 
integrate and my my skills. You know, if people can access quality education, of course, people can go to YouTube and everything. But how would it be like for you to access quality education? Structured quality education. I mean, from anywhere, anywhere in Nigeria. I'm not talking about Africa or the world, anywhere in Nigeria. Because when a lot of people go to YouTube, there are a lot of content there. But do you really know what you are looking for? So what I plan to do is use this as, as a way to you know, streamline what you want to do. Education is, yeah. is bad in Nigeria. It's, it's really, really bad. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying it as an understatement. It's bad. So I just want to, you know, you know bust the balloon of possibilities. Let people see. Let them see. There's, there's something you said earlier that caught my interest because it, it's something I recently also thought about, about the fact that we might, you know, for some of us, we might be living in this bubble. This the same bubble we live in and we exist in that like clouds us from the reality of others, like the educational level of others or like type of mindset that other people have. You know, we live in this happy, not so, I mean, we <laughs> happy bubble that oh, we are educated, done this, we've done that, that we've experienced this. But I think that for a large proportion of people, especially I think in somewhere like Nigeria, are not like that. They don't think like that. They don't, they've not experienced things like that. And they are not as educated as that. So, and then it's easy to like make judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You would think the people who are in academia, people who are open to change and who want to embrace change and like embrace new ideas about even not in their field, but like in society in general. But no, they were never like that. This strikes me as very interesting. And something I thought about really hard when I was in OE, that why, why is it that with all this knowledge and all this maybe information that some of them have gathered in their lifetime, they are like very closed off. I don't know if maybe you get to you yeah, close-minded with age, but or maybe it was the flair of being a young adult that you know, you know, young adults are like so open to change. They want to start a revolution. I, I don't know. Maybe that was what was within me at that point. But it, it strikes me as interesting that people who were this educated were close-minded as well. I think it cuts across all all levels of education, not just the tertiary education, even the secondary level. I think the, uh, how should I say it? We tend to accept things as, as they are. I mean, okay, yes, we are in a not-so-progressive country, but this is education. This is the bedrock of any development. If you want to think further, you you level up educationally. You want to improve the economic situation of the country. You educate people. People who are educated can think, but The application of that in Nigeria is, is I don't know, maybe it's far away from what, or it's far from what we, we, we hoped it to be. We don't want, we want change, we want to progress. We want it on our own terms. But seeing things as they are, we can't do it on our own terms. If, yeah, there has to be this radical movement, like radical progress. Okay, for example, give this example. If you remember vividly, when we were, doing, uh, we were carrying out the practical, the internal level, I mean, most of the, 
laboratory apparatuses we used, the, 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 the equipment were old. Some of them were not, no, 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 not functional. I mean, I've forgotten the name of this, but there was, it now became clear to me that it's not that we don't question it. We do, we do question it. But it's like we are resigned to our feet. We don't want to. Is it, let, me, let me say in the, the, the Nigerian way, in layman, in layman terms, we'll leave things as the Bijari. If when time will change, when time for change reach, it will come. But <laughs> you, don't, you don't just take, you don't just wait. I mean, so I think that's, that's the mentality that's affecting us. It continues to affect us because we don't want this strong whereby I'm comfortable. Why should you disrupt my comfort? Because you want to move somewhere else. Because you want to change how things are. I'm comfortable where I am. I think that's the problem. They are comfortable with the things that they have as long as it rewards them. And to the average Nigerian youth, it's not rewarding to us. It rewards the older generation, but it doesn't reward us. As I see people leaving the country, even the people living in the country are less than, are less than 1%. We see them leaving the country. People talk about leaving the country because where things are, where things are supposed to be, is not rewarding for them. I think it rewards, it rewards the older generation, so. Yes. And it brings up these points that people always make about how like the average Nigerian is like adapting, very good at adapting. If you can just like adapt to certain things and like, oh, this is good now, I've adapted to it. Mm-hmm. We don't need to we don't we don't need much change. That you know, there is just this I'm here right now and I've adapted to it that you know, God or any other thing that I believe in would take care of any other thing that <laughs> that's wrong. And there is, when I was growing up, I was watching a lot of TV because my dad would watch news in the evening. And then I'm in the sitting room watching TV with him. And it just reminded me that, I just, rem- I, 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 always, I always saw that People on the TV would be like, the government, government, the government needs to do this. The government needs to, you know, at that young age, I was curious, why are people always blaming the government or waiting for the government to do everything? Because sometimes it would seem that some of the things they were complaining about could actually be done by them. (laughs) You get, Mm -hmm. so we as people don't like to take responsibility for ourselves and other people so there's this there's this idea of waiting the idea of waiting for some type of savior waiting for some type of helper and it's like deeply embedded i don't know if that's also a religious thing but i think you would dig what i'm saying yeah you're waiting waiting being passive very very passive about what we want to do so, you know, just so far, I'm not dead or I'm not dying right now. Since I can't wait, let me wait for the time would come. The time would come when things would change. But I'm the, I don't have to do it myself. I don't have to do anything right now. The time would come when things would change. But I don't know when that time is, but definitely will. But I'm hopeful and I have faith that it would, the time would come. Is that idea that gets me so crazy about how passive people can be about their lives, about other people, about other things. And it's something that I saw. That's one of those things when I was growing up that I just noticed. I'm like, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be passive about my life ever. Mm. And that brings the question of the more comfortable you are, let me say, the, the more rewarding the situation is, the more passive you become. You know, if if nothing opens your your daily meal, if things are due and you get messy your 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 rights as at one deal. I mean, there's no reason to be to not be passive. 
there's no reason to ask questions or take charge of a situation that clearly we can we can solve. Okay, so and even if you look at it, there's a pattern. Even in this in this in this generation, people who we see people we see are fighting for like we need a better government, we need something, we need something. We believe there's a greater purpose at hand. But um those who feel like Nigeria no go change you know, there's nothing we can do, like let the country just go as it is. If you look at the lives of those people closely, if you look at their lives, you notice this is this similarity. There's a pattern in which they live their lives. They don't care about who gets in power as long as whatever reward as due to them comes, then they're fine with it. This is the kind of people that you will see talking about why you live in the country. I mean, who told, who told you we cannot change our country? So, but really, it just, it just makes me wonder how people could shield themselves from certain types of ideas because they feel that it might be facing I mean, can't deal with the idea of being very self-aware, of being like very self-conscious or like asking questions. And, and that's good too. But then if we have maybe like a larger density of people who are not afraid to question things, means we would never grow as like maybe like a society. But I think that now I think people are, you know, I would say that's the younger generation of people are trying to like evolve past old ideas, trying mm-hmm. to ask, trying to like remove themselves from those boxes that people have always shielded themselves from. It's like it's like that well of potential energy well that's you know that there's this there's this bounding box in quantum physics where Potential energy is zero. Mm-hmm. And people remove themselves from that box. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting now that what I see, I, I don't know, I feel a bit hope see about that. People are getting more educated and more opinionated about their lives and other people. So I, I don't know. Maybe that could be a good thing. Yeah, I think that's the future. Yeah. If People can be pragmatic, ask more questions, challenge the the norm. And it should should be confined to um, this rule that this is the way things are. Why should you want to change it? People are more open to change, positive change. So I'm open to it. Then we see a lot of things evolving. The way we think, the way we act, how we relate to the international community. Because we can't afford to just stay where we are. We can't afford to just be here. Being in the now. Most, of what, most, most people are still living in the past. We can't afford that. The way the world is changing, the way the world evolves. Before we know it, man, Artemis is <laughs> the NASA's project. Artemis. Now, I was, I was thinking the other day, um, where is the role of Africa in all this? I mean, we have Europe, we have the North Americas. What's Africa's role in all this? Even the COP27 um, summit about climate change. I deduce that African leaders were only there to solicit for support. That's the only thing I deduced from it. How developed nations can support the African continent. I mean, we have human resources, we have natural resources. What are we doing with them? The flood in Nigeria could have been prevented. Everything could have been prevented. But still, we wait for 
critical situations. Even in those critical situations, we don't profess change. We ask for support. I mean, are we entitled? Are we that entitled? We don't want to. Honestly, it's exhausting when you think about it because I feel like we have what it, what it takes. Most of what we face now have been prevented, even if people fail to see it. 10, 20 years ago, I mean, what stopped Nigeria from investing in human capital when it comes to agriculture, in the agricultural sector? What stopped Nigeria from investing in technology, education, research and development in universities? Instead, we chose to stash funds abroad. We chose to do a whole lot of irrelevant things. In the long run, it became useless. So, people wanting to change is one thing. People not allowing the change is another thing. It's interesting that you say that because I, I've not thought about it that way before. And it's interesting because some people really want things to like happen and like some people do not allow it like contest of opposing forces between like two classes of people yeah I, I've, not, I've not seen it that way before but like but, but then that's like very clear right now that's been like a very um, heavy discussion about yeah <laughs> No, there's. I think um, there's no way we'll, we'll talk about is that it will not come into context. You know? And naturally, let me say naturally. Personally, I believe there's a performative element to every political movement I see. I don't think it's real, you know. Now, I've thought about it, that why am I thinking this way? And I think I may not be the only one. I may, I may not be the only one. A lot of people see this as just what happens before elections. Yes. At the end of the day, we revert to default settings. So people don't see it as something serious, what they are doing. I was having a discussion with um, a friend, and he said, it shouldn't be surprising if the least preferred candidate wins. It wouldn't. So if it wouldn't be surprised, then it shouldn't be surprising to everybody. Because we've seen this over the years. Because he has accepted the way things are. And I proposed a question to him. And I posed a question to him that, okay, if you don't want to fight for things to change, what are you proposing we do? What you said baffled me. He said, I don't know, they went the hour date. Then we can start afresh. <laughs> I didn't expect him to say that because... If they are all dead, those who are coming after, whose ideologies, yeah. whose, yeah. whose um, you know, methods, whose way of thinking, way of life, would they follow? I mean, <laughs> it was funny, honestly, but I couldn't blame him. Like I said the other time, I thought there was a performative element to everything. So now, I'm not saying I'm losing hope in um, these states, but if I'm thinking this way, what hope is there for... Those who have not had the privilege that I had. I mean, I went to university. Most, some people didn't even finish secondary school. So if I could, if I, I thought that everything we see um, is just for sure, what would be the extreme of their thought process? What would they be thinking about? There's no for Nigeria. And it's, it's pervasive. Think about, if you talk about the youths, the teenagers, the, the, the kids, those who are looking up to what we expect or who we expect to be role models. Yeah, because it reminds me of this article I wrote, I think, earlier in the year, like a few months ago, Journey Through Niger. I was, in the article, I was reflecting my journey through Niger states. It was like a very remote place that I was at the time, passing through for an unexpected journey. Like I said in the article, I saw people whose lives were removed from anything I've ever experienced. It, I, I was thinking about them in the sense that what, what, did they, what their own ideas of life could 
be or all their own ideas of Nigeria would be like. Because there I was, in my own reality, I, I have electricity, even though it's not as often as it was back then in Nigeria. I, I had the internet. I, I had access to clean water. I could drink water, clean one, hold water for that matter from like a refrigerator. And it, it just got me thinking that well, what, what do you want to tell these people that might you know, be buy into any kind of new ideology that you have, apart from the ones they've always been used to? Because for them, it's not about, you know, it's not about maybe innovation or anything. It's just about trying to, like, survive. And if you give this person just a fridge, it might thank you for life. If you give this person these are the people that are very easy, right? These are the people who are like very impressionable. They, they are very removed from the reality that we experience. And you may think about them that these are maybe a large number of people in the country. You even start to think about their own lives and the way they fit into everything. <laughs> of course, this seems like a rant, but then what you said was reminding me of that article and things I was thinking about during that trip. But it's just really like the yeah, that I said earlier in the podcast that. I think we live in a bubble and like that bubble is <laughs> that bubble is very far from what actual reality is. Comes back to it. If we're privileged, if we want to really affect the lives of those we we see as underprivileged, others who are not opportune to have the kind of access we have to clean water, electricity, education. We often empathize with the reality. We have to. I think this is what's, what's lacking in this, this present state, this present country. Empathy. I mean, a few hours ago, I was at the filling station. People didn't cave even under the sun for close to 30 minutes. As long as they knew who was in charge, they just came and bought fuel. Some were even bribing. 500 euro, 200 euro. <laughs> you know, so I think that to really come across as someone who empathizes, not to come across as someone, forgive me for that, to, to empathize, you just come, come across as someone who does. To empathize, you have to find a way to, you know, connect with them, find the common ground. Then you can, you can begin to effect change. Because if you just come out and say you want to effect change, what kind of change are you effecting? What do you want to change? You can't just say you want to change Nigeria, change the world. We all have our parts to play. So, what medium do you want to use? Education, social work, um, technology, you know, agriculture. What medium do you intend to utilize? Do you want to use to change? And if you don't know the reality, if you can empathize with those who live in that reality, then we are far from it. I think this is what this is what we need to do. Uh, I'm I'm not I'm just giving suggestions, but it's a pity when we we look at um, not even Europe, Rwanda, Ghana. We look at them and see 
50, 60 years ago, Nigeria was one of the number one nations in Africa. Now we have fallen so far that we didn't even qualify for the World Cup. I mean, the way the players played, we are uninspiring. And people were saying that they, they, are, they are paid so much, so much. They are being rewarded. They are playing this way. I think it's the mentality. It affects the players. Even if somebody apply their trades in Europe, when they come back to this country, I think there's this feeling, there's this aura of being inspired. This is the way things are here. That way, this way will be left out. It affects because, but just permit me to divert a bit. In that match, when I saw the matches, it was so, so dull. There was no energy, no life in the way they were playing. And I, will, I related it to the Nigerian experience, what we live every day. I mean, what hope is there for younger generations, those younger than we, than we are? If we can have a look to the TV and be excited by something, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not baffling, to say the least. It's, it's not. It's just, it's pitiful. I mean, one will take a look at Nigeria and just take pictures on all Nigerians. Where are we headed as a country? Where? And we should ask ourselves, each and every one of us, what can we do? And if we ask ourselves what, what we can do, then we, then we can begin to change the conversation. But even before all of that, without empathy, none of this can happen. None. We can't. We can't begin to have any conversation without empathy. That's just it. It's interesting that you say empathy because I think that lies like a big, um, big thing when you're trying to like think about how people relate to others. Like I think that if we begin to like have the idea of love or like empathy for other people. We might try to like see how we could help. But for the most part, I think that people are still like in this video honest, but I do not blame them because it kind of seems like an every man for himself type of fight. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Because I, I, for most people, they themselves are trying to survive and they, <laughs> they might not really seem as helpful to others because they are in their own battle. But I, 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 I think there, then again, we could you know, realize that not only us is not only are we struggling, there are, there are people around us who are struggling. Some suffer more than others do. But we could be that beacon of light like other people and just like empathize with them so that they could empathize with us. I, I, f I feel like if you want, you want someone to trust you, you have to trust first. And that's maybe taking the bold step to like be the one who make that first move of like being empathic to people and just being open to change, I guess, and trying to show love. I, I think at the end of the day, most people are not as able as they seem. Like, <laughs> I like to believe that like the large percentage of people are good people. And the reason why we blow up bad experiences or like we try to like feel like the world is bad is because we take these bad experiences and because sometimes they are rare, bad experiences are kind of rare. But when they happen, we tend to blow them out of proportion. But my own framework for the world is that the large proportion of people are good people. And like, if you can show them love, they would show you love. Yeah, that, that's, that, I think that's like how 
model of my own worldview. And I mean, it might not be the same for everybody, but I trust people first and be the one who takes that first view of showing kindness. I'm writing an article about kindness right now. I don't know when it to be out, but I think that there's a different take on kindness I know and I want to share. Because when I talk about kindness, people think about, or maybe it's about giving money or giving food. So I, I think I have a different take on kindness that I feel like I want people to know. Kindness is, you know, hearing people out and being the type of people that your friends or your neighbors are not like afraid to meet if they want to talk to. And it's like showing up for people and recognizing evil and trying to like mitigate it for yourself and like other people in general. Yeah, that's that's what I mostly think. Before before we um and uh, close this, I just like to ask a question that's been bugging me for a while. Just a generic question. When because. <laughs> Okay, it goes this way. Now, this is a premise to it. We say that um, science, science, technology is supposed to help us. Mm. Help us see things in a different way. Help us to find solutions to problems. Mm. That's the basis of it. If you want to help others, the kind of knowledge we have, then Why do we find a way to destroy things? I think, I think that most problems that people face are like really human problems. I don't think that technology might be able to solve. Exactly. Like really deep-rooted human problems that I, I would doubt that maybe an introduction of some type of technology might be able to solve. So that's why I don't really believe in the gospel of technology would solve or it's be all. I don't know, but I, I think that there are like more deep-rooted human issues that exactly that's because that technology can solve. This, the answer you give was the same thing that came to my mind. Like, How can I say I want to use technology to solve a problem that clearly it is into individuals? I mean, like, let me give this instance. Two individuals are not speaking to each other. You say, oh, I have an application. which you call your loved ones and everything, so and so. How has that solved the problem? The reason why I'm not speaking to you is not because there's no technology to facilitate that. The reason I'm not speaking to you is, is because I've been hurt by something you did or something else came in between us that I would rather not talk about. So how did conversing through uh, an application that someone did Solve that problem. It's just, just, let me just, uh, I mean, it's a superficial example, but I feel like, like you said, most problems are not even solved by technology. You want to solve problems, yet you deny the human aspect of it. Or let me see, you don't recognize the human aspect of it. So, how can you solve that problem? How can you? You can't. You can't. This, this is everything that we're talking about. Everything I've been talking about. This every, I was still bored. I was still pressing that empathy. It's empathy. If, if you cannot empathize with it, what's your fellow human feeling? Or what they're going through? 
you cannot remotely begin to imagine what's your, what's imagine the solutions to their problems. You cannot. So, so sometimes I just think about it and I just and I and leave it in the portion of my mind that when time comes, I'll bring it up again. I think that's just it. Yeah, I think that most of I think maybe the listeners would have like so many questions to ask and maybe so many things to think about. But I think that that's like somewhere we could maybe end this conversation about like just saying things about what people could reflect on in their own lives and like think about human relationships and the idea of kindness, the idea of love, the idea of people in general, like knowing that technology can solve a human, a deeply rooted human problem. Like when it comes to being kind or helping people or showing love to other people, I think that that's not where technology really shines. I mean, technology is just a medium for something. Exactly. Not really something that would give you new ideas about how to go about solving human problems, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it could help us live easier, better lives, but yeah. certain things that we need to do, yes. Yeah, I mean, it was really nice having this conversation. I think that it's something that gave me ideas to think about for the next few weeks. It was nice chatting. It was nice. It was, it was nice yeah. Welcome back to podcast after a long time off. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the end and, you know, I appreciate you for following the podcast and for being a faithful listener of Hintenure. And so don't forget to like, share, subscribe and do all this stuff. Also reach out to me if you have any questions, comments or concerns. Have a lovely new year in advance and see you next year. Thank you. Mm -hmm.